Welcome to Intranata, the very first episode of the Intranetison podcast. In episode one today, we'll be talking to Jonathan Phillips and Sharon O'Day at the Intra Team 2017 conference in Copenhagen, getting their views on what they've seen and what they've learned, and a little insight into their presentations. So, John, who are we? Where are we? Sharon, we are in a really beautiful hotel in Copenhagen, and we're at the Intra Team 2017 event. Um, and it's day two already, end of day two. Uh, I know that you've been here for days one and two already. I have. So for those of you who don't know, um, who are listening in, Intra Team is, I think it's the internet conference that's been around the longest in Europe. Um, out of Copenhagen, it, it attracts sort of a mix of internet experts from across Europe. Really yeah. Nice mixed bag. Yeah, I would say that that's my feedback. I would say there's a, there's a good number here. It's about 200 people here, uh-huh. I would guess. And there's a, obviously a predominantly Scandinavian mix. But actually, businesses from across the US, from across Europe. Uh, I think there's even a couple here from Australia. So There's a guy from St. Lucia. St. Lucia. Imagine that being the centre of where everything happens. That's my kind of gig. So it's a really good audience. It's a really good crowd. And it's a really nice conference to be at. I've really enjoyed it. Fair. What have you enjoyed the most about it? Well, do you know, as ever, I think when I when I think about conferences, there's the stuff that goes on in the meeting rooms themselves, mm-hmm. and there's been some fascinating insights that I've seen there, but also the back channel stuff about what's going on around the cups of coffee or the great cake here or whatever it is. Uh, and today, I think it's been a good mixture of both. So I've seen some fascinating presentations. Earlier today, I saw uh, Lee Bryant talk about um, kind of the future of hierarchies and about how to use enterprise social networks and intranets as a kind of core centre of excellence, I suppose, and of services to provide excellence for the rest of the business. And I came away kind of inspired, a little bit scared, and a little bit unsure about how it would relate necessarily to me, but as ever, really inspirational stuff. And I know that speaking with people in the back channel afterwards, again, over those cups of coffees, there were some really... um, some really enthused and engaged people over that stuff. Yeah, I went to Lee's session yesterday on day one. He ran a two-part workshop, picked up on a lot of the same themes. And it was super um, inspirational thinking about those different uh, organisational models and how for organisations to be more agile and responsive in, in the modern world, they need to start thinking more like software and less like companies. Yeah, and I think, I think if you look at some of the businesses that are working right now that are seem to be almost disruptive in the in the world you know so the ubers of this world where are working as a, as a platform yeah you know they're top slicing or working as the glue between a customer and a service provider and what luke was sorry what lee was talking about was the idea of services within an organization working in exactly that way so you know hr wasn't servicing hr hr was there to service the rest of the business or comps or it or whatever it is and they were providing a kind of core hub of activity almost uh, human and digital apis that the rest of the organization then could tap into and he talked about um, the idea of hr not becoming um, focused on being good HR but actually focusing deep down on the services that each part of the organisation needed to build so example payroll not just excellence in HR but actually the payroll being the very best payroll they can be the policy builders to be the very best policy builders they could be all because they are super hyper focused on delivering just that one 
thing. I really enjoyed that bit of his talk because it's actually a fantastic model. When you when you start to unpick it like that, you start to, especially with his delivery, think, right. why, why are people not doing that already? <laughs> exactly. um, it all suddenly sounds so obvious. Yeah, exactly. Um, certainly in my position right now, uh, not working for a big organisation, I was minded that, uh, you know, that isn't necessarily for me right now, but I found it truly inspirational. I think there was one other thought that I took away from that, which is that a lot of businesses particularly those who have been around for a very, very long time, uh, they tend almost to become, as their history develops, even more risk-averse because they've somehow got much more to lose yeah. by, by making some of these massive changes, whereas the smaller, nimble startups or those that have only been around for a short amount of time have that opportunity point. And I reflect that, you know, Lee was talking about this, the likes of a Siemens or a Bosch that have been around for 120, 130 years. You know, how would they engage with that new model of build? And the answer is, yikes, they probably would not. And I put it down to two things, and Lee was talking about the risk of that kind of change. But there's another way of looking at it, which is, what's the risk of not doing that? Exactly. Actually, there are very few examples of big traditional companies pivoting in that sort of yeah. way um, and becoming more innovative. There's, I think one of them is GE, and they did that thing that really large, heavily moneyed organisations can do, which is um, do, do things twice. So yeah. what they effectively did was build a whole new business unit that did work in completely different innovative ways and built up from there. You see this in innovation units within, within big organisations. What they did is effectively parallel run things and when they had things going, yeah. could, uh, could sort of switch over from one model to the other. Right. What The challenge in a lot of big organisations is they'll bring an innovation lab in or you know whatever they want, accelerator or something, for entrepreneurs, find these great new ways of working but only work with them in isolation and fail to find ways to get that value out of that unit into somewhere else. And, and I think the word is scalable. Yeah. And, and you know, very often you see organisations frame that bit of the business with a almost an impenetrable firewall of activity. And they're unable, as you say, to move beyond that innovative, hyper-focused group to scale that within an entire organisation. And I understand, you know, that there are a lot of businesses that feel they've got a lot to lose, potentially. Um, but in reality, there's a lot to gain. And when you think about a lot of um, traditional organisations in particular, um, for them to, to find the sort of next generation of products, it used to be you would develop a product, it would be on the market for 10 years, you would just market it in different ways. Yeah. The, the speed at which innovation happens is so much faster now that that's just not a sustainable business model. So something like a traditional bank wants to be around in... 20 years time it actually needs to completely refocus the way it finds develops and sells its product set um, which current ways of working don't allow they actually embed old ways of working yeah and, and I think um, again focusing on some of those kind of themes within digital transformation mm. I think a lot of somewhat naive people believe that digital transformation is about taking existing processes and somehow making them digital yeah. that's only going to get you so far and the reality is if you're only just starting that now probably you've already missed your boat it really is about a comprehensive top to bottom transformation of what the business does and how it does it so long story short is that that was a fascinating insight and a and a really, really engaging way of looking at the future. And I can't wait to see some organisations who genuinely take that on and try and deliver.
that's a challenge for everyone listening in. We'd love to hear from you. Um, the other session I went to on day one was um, with Jasper Usterfeld, I believe is the Excellent. pronunciation. Excellent, good, well done. Um, and he just he did a half day workshop yeah. on um, on Office three six five, and I know it's kind of the the dull platform that everyone uses, but. It was really useful to get an overview of the full product set, which right. you never get normally. You'll, right. you'll see p- bits and pieces of you know, what's updated in the latest version of SharePoint, but understanding how all of those knit together and how it works as an ecosystem is actually super valuable. And isn't it really interesting to think about how the Microsoft themselves have transformed over the last few mm. years? to genuinely working as an ecosystem under that one Office 365 umbrella. Yeah. And um, there's some fascinating tools in there. And I think, again, one of the realities, I think, of that is that businesses are going to have to think really hard about which tools they use and which tools they switch on and how they t- switch those tools on even because there's a whole box of tricks. Mm-hmm. But the reality is is that there needs to be clarity of purpose and there needs to be, um, yeah, people need to understand how to use them and why to use them. And what was interesting coming out of that, there was bits of that that I kept looking at that going, so that's like Trello, so that's like Slack. <laughs> and I think that's both a kind, an opportunity and a threat for Microsoft, that actually for a big, particularly tr- traditional organisation, they're not going to want all of those different things. They, they like to have, what's it used to say about IBM, that there's only one neck I need to strangle? Exactly. Um, actually... The part of it is that is around having a single contract and the scalability that that provides, yep. but also not having multiple user interfaces and, and so on. It, that provides a level of simplicity and within the secure environment that they may not get from having an ecosystem of tools. But the, the problem with Microsoft generally, of course, is that it, it can end up being lowest common denominator by trying to solve for every user need. Yes. But um, it, it was interesting to see. I think I could see how how you would use it in the same way that uh, the tools that we use to use the blog, to run the blog. Okay, well, we could do our planning on there. We could do this here. We can use Teams for that. Actually, I could see the use cases starting to emerge just as I was watching the demo, which, which was really yeah. valuable. The challenge that... Um, I think Microsoft have and Office 365 have or maybe just users of Office 365 have is that I'm still not convinced that a lot of those tools are genuinely best in class. So I I was having a a fascinating conversation with someone here at the conference who was talking about the interesting challenge between Yammer, which is Mm. part of that Office 365 environment, which they therefore have a license for and is a a burgeoning community of some kind, Mm -hmm. plays Slack, which many people see uh, in her organisation as being the shiny new upstart that people are jumping to. And the reality is, is that those tools are somewhat different, but they do a reasonably similar job. But there's always that shiny thing which employees want to go for, even though uh, the official IT are providing what they would believe to be a fundamentally good suite of tools. So um, this was the first time I got any sort of demo on Teams, and Teams did look, to be fair, almost as good as Slack. Now, the almost is is a key differentiator here, but it appeared to do the same kind of things that Slack did. So I think there is that challenge that the... The startups come in, help to understand what the use cases might be, and then Microsoft sucks them back in again. And as a, a user of Trello, what was your view of Trello versus Planner, for example? Um, there was only a very, very a short overview, but effectively it is exactly the same kind of thing. You can create a number of, of lists or columns, create cards in them. Didn't look at the cards functionality in detail, but it did appear that it was, you know, if you work in an agile type environment, you could do to do doing done in the same way that you ordinarily yeah. would, or backlog or blog. Yeah. 
Um, so I could I could see it being a reasonable planning tool. On the other hand, if you do if you're a developer and you work in a pure agile environment, you're not thinking about Trello in isolation. You're thinking about how it plugs in in the way that we do, with with Jira or what, whatever it is you might be using. So we use it completely interchangeably with our Slack and have all of those things tied in together, and that's yeah. what makes it work quite well. Yeah. If you're working in a pure Microsoft environment where your document's in there, that would make sense. But if you're in that more integrated environment, particularly in, say, software development, that might not be the case. So I think... I'm going to have to go in a minute. Yeah, yeah. So I think Office 365 has been under a really interesting journey, and I think there's a whole box of tricks there which um, I think will prove to be tremendously useful for a lot of organisations. The challenge that I think we're probably going to look at in some future posts, in fact, is that... Uh, the, the difference or opportunities that are between existing standard IT and shadow IT and, and how those two tools, I think, will come together. Fantastic. You've been listening to Jonathan Phillips and Sharon O'Day for Intranetizen for the very first episode of Intranatter, the Intranetizen podcast. Hope you've enjoyed what you've been listening to. Look out for a new episode soon. Podcast music by Hackney Connery Band.